Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. For the Lord, the Most High, is awe-inspiring, a great king over the whole earth. Psalm 47, verses 1 and 2. Good morning, IBCM. Uh, what a great day it is to be uh, in the presence of God, to be his child, to uh, experience uh, jubilant praise and thanksgiving. It's always good to uh, have a positive attitude because uh, the grace of God is always available, always sufficient. And so there is always reason to give praise and thanksgiving to God. That's what Paul wrote, right? In everything, give thanks with, uh, in everything, pray, giving thanks with all supplication. So uh, at all times we pray, at all times we praise and give God thanksgiving. Well, I, I uh, hope and pray that you're having a good start to your morning as I have spending time with God in his word already this morning is such an encouragement and such a, um, a joy. And being together to pray together, to uh, read and study God's word together is always a good thing. In just a few moments, we're going to dig a little bit deeper in one of the themes that uh, we learned from Isaiah 58 this past Sunday. We're going to be studying from the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 and forward, several verses in that passage. Uh, but before we do that, let's, let's do spend some time in, in uh, prayerful praise and thanksgiving to God. There in your own place, uh, you join me in prayer. God, we thank you that we can clap our hands in applause of your goodness and greatness. To praise you for your salvation. To praise you and give thanksgiving that you are a good and loving father. That you are the mighty one. That you rule over all creation. And that we have a relationship with you that is real and personal. We read in Hebrews that you know, Jesus, our human condition. You experienced it. You endured uh, more pain, more temptation, more suffering than we could ever imagine as human beings. And you did it with grace and you endured it with perfect obedience to the Father. You uh, you triumphed over every temptation, a sin, sinless life. And so we praise you that we have a perfect high priest, Jesus, who intercedes for us, who mediates for us, who uh, makes uh, the throne of grace available and approachable to us with confidence, with boldness. Thank you. So, Jesus, you know our hardships. You know each and every one of us. You know the temptations that trip us up. You know the, the uh, difficulties, challenges, and obstacles that each one of us faces today. We admit to you our weakness. And as Paul wrote in Corinthians, 
1 Corinthians 12, 9, that we, we agree with him, but we, 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 uh, we glory in our weakness. We are, we are, we admit our weakness because in our weakness, you are made strong. And so we begin this day in praise and thanksgiving and confidence and hope. We place ourselves on the altar of worship and sacrifice. We say, here we are, Lord, conform us, transform us, empower us, equip us, make us ready for this day. We praise and thank you, God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, the second theme that we learned from scripture, Isaiah 58, this past Sunday, uh, is this. We, we see a world, and we're seeing, remember, we're seeing God's vision of our world now. And here's what we see. We see a world in need and a humble grace and mercy that satisfies every need. We learned that from two verses. Isaiah 58, 7 and verse 11, where we read, it is not to share, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood. And verse 11 says, the Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You will be like a well-watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. So we see a world in need. We know our own needs, but we also see in our own life and in the world around us, a humble grace and mercy that satisfies every need that we can have in the human heart. I want us to dig a little bit deeper with that theme in James chapter two. So if you'll join me there, uh, if you're new in the Bible, James is near the back of the New Testament. It's uh, right after Hebrews. So James chapter 2, and as you're learning to use God's Word, to read and study God's Word, don't be ashamed or afraid to use the table of contents. That's, that's no big deal. So uh, we're looking at James chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 14 to 26, and we're going to... Uh, I'm going to open up or, or uh, uh, speak to us this morning, admonish us and encourage us with four powerful truths from this passage that make this theme from Isaiah 58 uh, understandable, practical, doable. All right, so James chapter 2, starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but does not have works, can such faith save him? Let me stop right there just for a moment before, before we continue. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we see the biblical truth that we are not saved by works, but by, by grace through faith. So salvation comes not by doing enough deeds, good deeds to make us acceptable to God, but salvation comes by faith, by placing our complete confidence, trust, 
belief in Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection. But what James is teaching us today is the fruit of faith. What is the result of faith? So let's read on. And I think in these next two verses, three verses, you'll see how it connects with uh, our vision of the world in need and the humble grace that satisfies. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is without clothes or lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you uh, faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works and offering Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now, James is not contradicting Paul. James is actually uh, giving us a practical interpretation of Paul in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Yes, we are saved by faith, but true faith changes who we are and how we live. So let me, let me draw out four truths, four practical truths that we can apply to our lives. Four practical truths that relate to that second theme from Isaiah 58 last week. Truth number one, true faith transforms our conduct. Our conduct does not transform our relationship with God, but faith in God transforms our conduct. It transforms what we do how we live. We see that in verse 15. And so viewing our world through God's lens means viewing our world with God's compassion, with God's desire to take action, to come to the aid of those who are in need. Our greatest need is not food and water and shelter, acceptance, our greatest need is salvation. And so while Jesus, when he was on earth, met the physical needs of those around him, he healed the sick, he gave uh, legs to the lame, he gave sight to the blind, he opened the mouth of the, of the mute and the, the ears of those who couldn't hear, he raised the dead. 
But all those signs were a demonstration of his power, his resurrection power to save. And ultimately, Jesus gave us that gift through his death and resurrection. And so true faith changes our conduct. It doesn't only change our perspective of the world. James wrote about, uh, gave this, James gave us this view of, of someone seeing the need of those around them, food and shelter and warmth, but not willing to take action. So true faith transforms our conduct. It gives us, it gives us the power and the will to take action. The second truth is like it. True faith transforms our heart. And what I mean by that is, apart from Christ, apart from salvation, apart from God's view of the world around us and God's compassion uh, transforming us, we tend to be self-focused. It's difficult to meet the needs of others. It's difficult to engage in our community, to express through compassion the love of God to those who are in need. That's difficult if we are self-focused. When we are self-focused, not only are we uh, likely not to see the needs of others, but it is very likely that when we do see their need, we will hoard, we will protect, we will clench in our fist what is ours, rather than release the hand and give. And so true faith transforms our heart. It transforms us from a self-focused, selfish person into someone who is others aware. God is aware of our need, so aware of our need that he didn't just say, may you be fed, may you be warm and sheltered. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who sacrificed his own life. He gave himself for us. And so true faith transforms our heart, changing us from a self-focused person into someone who is others-focused. Third truth, true faith transforms our commitment to God. Notice that James said, even the demons believe who God is. And what we see here is a transformation of worship. Who we worship shapes who we are. And what James is teaching us here is that true faith transforms our worship. It transforms our commitment to God. We see that God is not just someone who has power. True faith, true worship is not just admitting that God is the great and mighty God, but true faith transforms our commitment to God. So that we are not just admitting who he is, but we are experiencing who he is, and we are obeying his commands. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So there is a connection between love and obedience. Love fuels obedience. And so true faith transforms our commitment to God. We are committed to do what God commands us to do. Remember the lawyer who asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered him double. 
He said, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that agrees with what James is saying here. If we see that our neighbor has need, but we do not take action, then our faith is not genuine. It is not alive. And God wants our faith to be alive. Fourth truth. True faith produces good fruit. Notice again what James said. Um, he says that in verse uh, 22, you see that faith was active together with his, Abraham's works, and by works faith was made complete, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then in verse 25, he used Rahab, the prostitute, as an example of faith that takes action, faith that produces good fruit. That's an old story from the book of Joshua, in which Joshua spent, sent spies into Jericho to discover the strength of the city, the military, and a, a way to defeat the city. And... Uh, the city leaders uh, somehow got word that Hebrew spies were in the city, and, and Rahab, a prostitute, hid the spies in her house and sent them on a safe route back to the Hebrew encampment. And she asked the spies to remember her and her household when they took the land. She said, because I know that your God is the true God. And so uh, they told her, put a scarlet piece of scarlet cloth on your window, and that part of the wall will be preserved. And that is exactly what happened. True faith produces good fruit. It, uh, it is gracious. Our lives become gracious and godlike. So... True faith transforms our conduct. True faith transforms our heart. True faith transforms our commitment. True faith produces good fruit. So we connect that with the theme from Isaiah 58. We see a world in need, desperate need. And as God's children, as Christ's disciples, true faith will produce the good fruit of going into our world, coming alongside people, and giving grace, mercy, help to those who are in need. Let's pray that today God will empower us to be his ambassadors of grace, his servants to the needy, that by our transformed conduct, heart, and commitment, good fruit will be produced through us in our city of need. Father, we thank you for this good and powerful word from the Bible. And Lord, these are not just words on paper. It's not just ink on paper. These are your words. And your word is alive and active. And we're praying that it will pierce through the surface of our existence and dig deep into our hearts. And that by faith, 
you will transform our conduct, our heart, our commitment, and produce good fruit as we put faith into action and come alongside those who are in need to give them the, the appropriate help. Lord, this morning, as we are praying for our world, we want to lift up Myanmar and pray that you will continue to work in that land to bring peace and to bring healing. We want to pray for our own nation here in the Philippines. And we pray, Lord, that as we are approaching the, the middle of the second week of our ECQ, that you will give our leaders wisdom and discernment and that you will work in a way that opens up our lives once more to the kind of freedom and mobility and movement that we desire to put faith into action in our city. Lord, today we want to pray for our uh, pastors and leaders in our church, including myself, that you will guard our hearts from selfishness, that you will keep us away from idols, that you will uh, increase our confidence and boldness in prayer so that we can give good leadership for our church. Lord, this morning we're praying for our children's ministry. As it continues to grow, we are so thrilled and overjoyed that you give us the opportunity to partner with parents to disciple children. We pray for our leaders, Pal Ferrer and her team, as they minister to the children in our church, that you will give them wisdom, spiritual power, and knowledge of your word and your son as they disciple them. Lord, this morning, we want to pray for our city. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue to develop a strategy to carry the gospel light into our city, that you will give us favor, that you will give us wisdom, that you will give us insight. We pray for Ellie Go and her team as they develop ways to uh, deploy and enlist and mobilize all of the church to be active in the city. Lord, we continue to pray for uh, the Busa family, not only for uh, a job for Rod, but their family as they are uh, uh, COVID positive. We pray that their symptoms will be mild and that you will bring healing to their bodies. Lord, we pray for the Blaylock family. We pray, Lord, that you will sustain their strength and protection and that you will lead them to uh, Christ-likeness and, the, the, and to have and experience the spiritual and emotional healing that they need in their family. Lord, this morning we pray for the Nair family, and we pray, Lord, that these, uh, uh, this lovely family from Pakistan, refugees here, we pray that they, they will have all their needs met by your grace, that you will continue to sustain their health and give them wisdom and guidance in knowing their next steps. Lord, we pray for uh, Emil Aram today and pray, Lord, that you will continue to sustain his health, his heart health, while he awaits the procedure that he needs to determine the kind of treatment that he needs to heal his heart. We pray for Christy Manalo and we pray, Lord, that she would recover from her stroke, that she would reg regain regain her strength and her mobility and and um, that she will come back to uh, complete health. We pray, Lord, for Pearlie 
for Becky, for Jenny, for Bong, for Cassie and Nita, who are suffering with cancer. And we pray that you will bring healing to their bones. We pray, Lord, for uh, our um, partners in mission today. We specifically want to pray for Two Thirds World Network and the International Mission Board. We pray, Lord, that you will provide uh, all the resources these two organizations need to do your work. And as we partner with them, we pray, Lord, that there it'll be a powerful partnership that brings the gospel to our world. We also pray, Lord, for these church planters. We pray for David and Rachel and Christian and uh, Edeli Kyokson, father and son, who are working in Palawan. We pray, Lord, that you will sustain them, equip them, empower them, and give them guidance as they lead these young churches to saturate the island of the central island of central portion of, of Palawan there in or Puerto Princesa, the good news of Christ Jesus. We also lift up to you, Lord, Jerry and Lorena, Edroda and Paolo, Leite. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to bless them as they take your word and the gospel to several barangay around Palo, as they have about five or six Bible studies. We pray that you will give them physical strength and spiritual strength as they share the gospel and make disciples there. And now, Lord, we also pray for these who need salvation. Their first names, Ansel, Sharon, John Michael, Charmaine, Jay, Kathleen, Jericho, Noel, Carlo, Antonio, Patrick, and Jumbing. We pray, Lord, that you will bring the gospel, a gospel influencer in their lives, someone who has bold and courageous and fruitful faith, someone who will not only speak the gospel, but live it in full view before their eyes. And we're praying for the divine persuasion from the Holy Spirit in their hearts to understand and admit their sin, their need for salvation, and the faith to believe in Christ Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for these uh, that are with me, that are with me this, this morning in our time of Bible study and prayer. I pray that you will bless them, that you will provide all of their needs according to Christ Jesus. Pray, Lord, that as we uh, speak the Tagalog phrase, ingat, that we will also have in our minds and hearts that our care, that we can take care, that you take care of us. And I pray that you will take care of your people today as we strive to live in loving obedience and faithful action to be influencers in our community. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, God bless you and keep you. And I pray that God will give you a great day as you continue to love him, worship him, and serve him. See you tomorrow morning.